Let's pray. Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing to you. We ask that the preaching of your word will bring out light and life, that we might be transformed into the image of Jesus Christ. Amen. Good evening. Um, my name is Somane Megadi. I'm one of the pastors here at Church of the Resurrection. A few weeks ago, Stephen Horst, the guy that led us in worship, he and I were in the lounge when all of a sudden we heard this strange sound coming from only God knows where. It sounded like a ghost was stuck in the pipe somewhere in the building and I didn't like it very much. About four weeks ago, the check engine light on my car came on and like the good responsible driver that I am, I ignored it and hoped it would go away. I mean, it couldn't be that serious, right? No. Uh -uh. And while I am sure that there are some of, some of us for whom a visit to the doctor elicits excitement to no end, in my experience, the majority of people do not like to go see a doctor unless something is really, really wrong. I have Nigerian family friends who are convinced that they're healthy until they actually walk into the doctor's office something magically appears because they're going to the doctors and they refuse to go for a routine checkup because of that. Now, what do these three pseudo anecdotes have in common? Well, they're all trumpets of sorts. In the Bible, generally speaking, the trumpet sound was a call to war, a call to assemble, a call to march, a call to reflect and remember, and a warning that judgment was on the horizon. You see, the ghost that I and Stephen Horst heard was a trumpet sound notifying us to connect with the HVAC guys as soon as possible. My check engine light was a trumpet sound that all is not well with my car, and a routine medical checkup is like a trumpet reminder that says, go check to make sure that your body is working the way that it's supposed to be. Similarly, Ash Wednesday is a trumpet call that leads us into 40 days of Lent, a time devoted to fasting, prayer, and giving. So Joel chapter 2 verse 1 says, Blow a trumpet in Zion. Sound an alarm on my holy mountain. But why do we do this? Why do we observe Lent? Why do we come here on Ash Tuesday to mourn and weep over our sins? There are many reasons we could talk about for why we observe Lent, but I want to focus on one. These 40 days help us to focus on the call to follow Jesus Christ, and an important part of this is the act of repentance. We read in Joel chapter 2 that God wants his people to repent. An interesting thing about the book of Joel is that it doesn't actually list any of the sins that Israel committed. That's probably because they already knew what those sins were and they were comfortable with them. Blowing the trumpet and calling them to come to fast and to pray was a wake-up call to them. Similarly, Lent is a wake-up call to us, a reminder to come before God so he can search us and know our ways, know our hearts, and see if there is any evil way within us and lead us in the path of righteousness. We need a reminder because many things distract us from noticing the areas we need to grow in, and they distract us from noticing the idols that we need to get rid of. And some of these things are good things. 
like our work, our family responsibilities, our media consumption, our food consumption, our spending, all sorts of good things. And it's also possible that certain sins have entrenched themselves in our lives and we no longer even remember that they're sins in the first place. Sort of like my check engine light that I chose to ignore, you know? It would, it would light up and I'd be like, oh, it's supposed to be there. No, it's not. I, I just got used to it. And I could be wrong about this, but most sins are usually rooted in a good thing that God has provided. For example, food, alcohol, money, all these things are good for us. But if I misuse alcohol, I get drunk. If I misuse food, I become gluttonous or inordinately abstemious. And if I misuse money, I could develop a covetous heart. The thing about sins is that they mess up everything else about our lives. So Lent says, let's pause and deal with the sins in our lives. Let's repent. It will please you to know that the HVAC crew expelled the ghost in the building by bleeding the radiator so we are safe in our building. But there are other interesting phenomena in this building this building that we thank the Lord God for providing for us, but there are some interesting things that happen. For example, most of the lights in the sanctuary are controlled by switches at the entrance of the sanctuary. But some of the light switches, some of the lights are controlled by switches, by one switch on the first floor. And I think four of them are controlled by switches in the breaker box in the entrance, not with the other switches. That's that's probably not how things are supposed to work. Maybe it was a workaround for a problem, but whatever the case, it makes sense for all the light switches just to be in one place to control the lights in the sanctuary. Just, they should be in one place. That's how it should be. But again, praise be to God for Stephen Horst and the building leadership team. Stephen, who is often the visible presence of the building leadership team, he spends a lot of time troubleshooting issues with the building. And from what I have seen, this building actually listens to him. And I'm not joking here because when Stephen's not around, Things go wrong. Things just go awry in the building. But when he's here, things seem to work perfectly. Anyway, he and the BLT have so far proven that they can handle the messes, the unexpected things that crop up in the building as we strive to make it a welcoming and inviting space. So like this building, you and I have been purchased by the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. We're his. But there are some wires that have been crossed. Switches that don't work as well as they should. Radiators that need to be bled. For this work of transformation to happen, you and I need to submit to the work of the Holy Spirit. We need to repent and draw near to Jesus. This is what Joel chapter 2, verse 12 and 14 are actually about. They show God's heart for us. He wants us to return to him and desire him so that perhaps he can give us a blessing a blessing that we will then use to worship him. Sin always, always stands in the way of a relationship with God. But like the psalmist says, God delights in taking our sins away from us as far as the east is from the west. He understands that we are weak and fallen and he delights in showing us compassion. So Lent is an invitation to come close to God, to draw near to God through repentance. Now, notice from... Joel chapter 2, verse 16 to 17, that repentance was a community affair. The elder, the elderly were supposed to come and repent. The infant who's nursing were also supposed to come and repent. I don't know how infants 
mourn and fast with the rest of the congregation, but God expected them to. The newlyweds, who should be on their honeymoon, were supposed to be part of this, this um, repentance as well. Everyone is involved in this act of sorrow. Everyone fasts together and everyone prays together. In fasting, we create a lack in which we discover different ways that man shall not live by bread alone, or alcohol, or chocolate, or Twitter, or Wordle, but by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. This word leads to repentance. In prayer, we plead with God to have mercy on our sins and to have mercy on a sinful world. We may see the evil and wickedness of the world and feel very powerless about it, but prayer reminds us that we can come to God who can then grant repentance to the world as well. And in giving, we repent of greed and covetousness. We let go of the things that we think we have to hold on to, things that give us a false sense of security and control, and we throw ourselves on God and ask him to provide. And then in our giving, our greed and covetousness turn to love for neighbor and we focus on other people. So in summary, we strive together as a community to draw near to Christ through repentance, by, by fasting, prayer, and giving. Now, everything I've said so far has sounded gloomy and has sounded like the dark clouds of Mordor hanging over our head. And it's right that it does, you know. James tells us to be wretched and mourn and weep over sins, to let our laughter be turned to mourning and our joy to gloom. But there is a true and sure word that accompanies this kind of godly sorrow. We read it in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 5. For our sake, God made Christ, who knew no sin, to become sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So that we might become the righteousness of God. This season of penitence, of repentance and sorrow, must be grounded in the truth that there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So, if you belong to the Lord, if you've surrendered your life to Jesus Christ, this season is not about shaming yourself and trying to do better. God has already accepted you because of Christ. It's about surrendering to the Holy Spirit so that he will transform you in places that you might have neglected. If you're not a believer, if you have not surrendered to Jesus Christ, the season of Lent is not meant to shame you or force you to try to behave in a certain way. No, the season of Lent is an appeal to you to be reconciled to God. Look, right now, now, right now, is the day of salvation. It's the time of salvation. The doors are wide open. Jesus Jesus' arms are wide open, and he invites you to come into his embrace. Embrace, Come into the kingdom as you are, and let God do his work of transformation in your life. So we repent over our own sins and the sins of the world based upon the sure truth that God does not condemn those who are in Christ Jesus, and he invites all sinners to enter into relationship with him. I want to close with a very important reason why we observe Lent that I haven't mentioned yet. I've mentioned repentance. There's one more. There are 46 days from now till Easter. Now, you might be wondering, 
I thought Lent was 40 days. Well, it is. So where did the extra six days come from? Well, you see, when Jesus Christ resurrected on Easter Sunday, every Sunday after that was completely transformed. Every Sunday became a day of feasting. In some circles, fasting on Sundays is forbidden, even during Lent. This, to me, is a reminder that Lent is not an end in and of itself. It serves a greater purpose. 46 days from today, we're going to celebrate the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. And we'll talk more about Easter then. But we, are, we were not created for weeping and mourning. That's an unnatural state made necessary by the fallen condition of the world. The end goal of Lent is that our joy and celebration after 46 days will be authentic because we have passed through the furnace of sorrow that our sin demands and have been purified by the Holy Spirit. But in the middle, scattered throughout these 46 days, we have six Sundays, six feast days to remind us that Easter is coming. It's a small picture of a grand truth in history. No matter how long it takes before the return of our Lord Jesus Christ, no matter how long the sorrow lasts on this side of eternity, we have punctuated joys that remind us that he will come again. And then it will be over. Because you see, God acts now to give us joy in the midst of the many sorrows necessitated by a fallen world. But he will act to complete that joy when Christ returns to usher us into a celebration that knows no end. We need to hold on to this hope, not just for our sake, but for the sake of the world as well. I mean, turn on the news and it's calamity after calamity, sorrow after sorrow. Right now, Russia is invading Ukraine. There's a war going on and many people are suffering. And that state of war, it's a perpetual reality in so many places around the world. The world is in a continuous state of the valley of the shadow of death and it doesn't no true joy. The only thing that will bring it joy is repentance from sins and turning to Jesus Christ, but they cannot see it. They cannot see it outside of the church. We must tell the world the joy is coming and show them the glimpses of this particular joy in the church. So our Lenten, our Lenten observance must draw them to the celebration in the church so they can ultimately partake in the celebration of Christ's return. That's a big purpose of Lent. We sorrow and mourn over our sins under the truth that there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And we look to Easter and invite people to enter into the joys of Christ now in preparation for that final joy that will never end. In the name of the Father and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.